Welcome to Pop Yak, where we yak about pop culture. And we're yakking today about Invincible, and at the end, a little bit of Attack on Titan. First off, we're going to talk about Invincible Episode 3. It's titled, like, Who You Callin' Ugly, which I'm assuming is about Monster Girl, who is voiced by Grey, formerly Grey Delisle, uh, now Grey Griffin, Azula. But we'll get to her. At the very beginning of this, we get memorial service for the public, and then we get a funeral that's for the Guardians of the Globe. I love that in the middle of the memorial that uh, Omni-Man is giving, he's like, if you need people to save you, I'll do it, essentially. Just pointing himself going, me, me, me. Everything me. Yeah, they died and that sucks, but me. You can tell what a nice guy Omni-Man is. Then they have the real funeral, because people will dig up bodies and start stealing bones and shit. Trust me, that's not just for superheroes. That's for regular people, too. <laughs> Unfortunately, people love stealing them some bones. You can get plenty of free bones. What you do is, you buy and fry up some chicken... Those bones that's left, you could keep those. Those are for you. Putting a splash screen that says Invincible up on the screen makes you go, yeah, that's what I'm watching. And it doesn't make you, because it's streamable, you don't feel like an asshole for skipping the title. Don't get me wrong, I do love, still love some title sequences. One of my favorite is the Daredevil title sequence. At this point, I'm more like, save the title sequences for anime. A nice splash screen will do it for me. Especially if you have banging ass music in the show itself, which this show has plenty of. The girl that was dating the Red Rush is the person to like throw herself on a coffin at a funeral. She's that dramatic person. But then again, it's her relationship with Red Rush was especially sad. The point when she's like, you know, this is the first time he's still and I can't see him, like hit you in the gut. That should actually like, damn. So when you see Nolan kind of later on going, who wants me to go get pizza? You're like, fuck off, Nolan. Do you see how much this actually affected people? And he's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter to me. I'm a superhero. Um, sorry, the superhero. Fuck you, Nolan. This show does a great job of making you forget Nolan's an irredeemable bastard and then reminding you with just one or two quick lines he says or just some, some of the things he does and the way he handles himself makes you go, well, that's right, he's a bastard. Mark kind of snaps on his mom, like, what the fuck do you want me to do after a funeral? His dad pulls an all might and goes... You know, you gotta be out there smiling and saying, I am here. You're not allowed to have feelings or grieve. You leave that shit at work. You leave work at work and you have stuff at home that you bring at home. And his mom, who's, I, they wrote her so fantastically. She is the heart of this family. And I'm not, and it's not just because she's a mom. She seems like she's a compassionate person, period. You see that when she was comforting Red Rush's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. How she is just a compassionate person. She sees the writing on the wall, like, and if this is all sudden for her, then damn. Because we only see him as an irredeemable bastard because of the first episode. But if this is sudden, you kind of want to know more about their backstory and more about young Nolan. Which in itself could be its own television show. Because you know Nolan's going to end up being a fucking asshole. Watching him fall in love and protect the Earth. And the beginnings of the Guardians of the Globe and young Cecil. All that stuff would actually be interesting to see. I'm not usually a person that's like, yeah, you know what we need? We need more prequels. But if you give me a character that's really, if you give me a really uh, engaging character, hell yeah, I want to see like what happens when they're, what happened when they were young or show me a fast forward. Let me see their kids or grandkids in the future or something. Thanks, Avatar, for giving me that kind of expectation on everything. They're being spied on by Cecil, who has, looks like he bought out the house next door. For somebody who does real estate, I'm surprised that Debbie, I'm surprised Debbie doesn't know that the house across the street was bought out or whatever by Cecil. But then again, Cecil's whole thing is that he can do things under wraps. So he probably got this place bought and paid for 
and the other family removed and put somewhere else without anybody being the wiser of it. Because Debbie seems like the kind of person that would go next door to the new neighbor's house and bring over, you know, a quiche. But Nolan, then again, Nolan gives me vibes of, we can't have any friends because if we have friends, we I'll put them in danger because I'm a hero. They're being spied on. Mark goes and he calls Amber, the chick that, that stood up for him, twice against that asshole jock. I love the awkwardness and how it's written in this. It's very familiar. You know, um, and they do a good job of getting through those obstacles and having Mark's friend William being like, oh, you know, I'm going to hook you up and tell you how to have handle this date. Tell me everything after it's over. It's all very familiar. It's good writing of teenagers. Eve gets cheated on by Rexplode with Duplicate. So Duplicate and Rexplode and other Kates who are all her, by the way, which Rexplode kind of shittily says, oh, they're not even the real Kate. Rexplode does not care about anybody's feelings at all. The dude is completely in his own, up his own ass, and he is ego first at everything he does. He doesn't seem to give a shit if you like him or not. He just the smart mouth asshole. I, I know I knew a couple people like this. People that only care about their own image and their own ego, and that you never really get to know the real them because they're pushing forward this really shitty persona in the guys of looking cool and it's like being an asshole isn't cool i've had a couple people tell me like i'm an asshole like that's my whole thing it's like if anybody ever tells you i'm just an asshole turn around and run getting wrapped up in that person's bullshit is gonna do nothing but bring you misery and eve you know what she can do better than Rexplode. way better than him the problem is eve doesn't think she can date somebody outside of the super scene because it things get really tricky, right? Like in Marvel Comics, there's a support group of people who know superheroes and know their identities. The fact that there needs to be a support group is what Eve is talking about. It's a lot. We go to Robot doing his um, Guardians of the Globe tryouts. He's been put in charge by Cecil to kind of be the new leader of the Guardians of the Globe and to bring a team together. Because of nepotism, Robot decides to get the entire team team to move on up to the big leagues. And I mean, they kind of deserve it after the Flaxian thing, which it kind of really does seem unfair considering all the other cool heroes that were in that room. Uh, there's three added members. Monster Girl, who Rexplode gets to know up close and personal. Black Samson, who used to be on the old squad but lost his power, so now he has a suit to kind of, I guess, duplicate his powers. Also, that motherfucker does not fuck around. He turns over, Rex says something shitty to him. You don't even have your powers. You're wearing a suit, lame. Uh, I got, I heard that a lot about Iron Man um, growing up. And then you look at Iron Man today and you look at Batman and you're like, you were saying, you know, <laughs> that shit doesn't mean anything. I bet Rexplode would never say that shit about Darkwing. Black Samson tells him very easily and very quickly that he is not the motherfucker to fuck with. Also, in the voice on him, he sounds cool as fuck. So I looked up who he was and lo and behold, he's a uh, Carrie Payton. He's the guy that you know him most as the guy that plays Cyborg in like all of the Teen Titans media. But he also is the dude with the fucking tiger from The Walking Dead. Around the time when they got the tiger is when I was like, eh, it's time to tap out. But I just think it's interesting to see that this guy who's in The Walking Dead TV show is in another Kirkman joint. I wonder if there's any other Kirkman joints. If there are and you know about them, definitely hit me up on Twitter at audio underscore D, D-E-E, -E, and hook me up with that information because I would love to know it. I mean, yeah, I could just Google it. But I think having a conversation with another human being is a little bit more personal and fun. Another person that joined the team is Shrinking Ray. I love these punny names. I really, really do. Shrinking Ray is so good. Um, also, I like Black Samson because I think I remember. I think I remember mentioning before Black about Black Falcon and Black Vulcan 
if you listen to my podcast about Winter Soldier and Falcon, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I'm going to get back to. Invincible is just too good. We're definitely going to get back into that right after Invincible. It's only eight episodes, which means there's probably going to be four of these. Uh, and then we'll jump back into it. Um, well, hell, maybe I'll do it next week. You never know with me. I kind of bounce around. But hey, it's a variety show, right? Pop Yak. And also, if there's anything you want me to cover, by the way, just hit me up and let me know. Hey, I want you to watch this show and talk about it. Like I said, I'll give it three episodes and see what it uh, does for me. Unless just something about it makes me go, nah. (laughs) But for the most part, I'll definitely check out a thing you're telling me to check out. Anyway. Back to the show and back to the show. Um, they have fights and the the point of these fights is to not just see who wins and loses. It's to see how people react to each other, how clever they are, and how much of a hero they are too, like the size of their heart. Instead of making this a 20 episode tournament arc, which could have been cool, they said, we don't need that. We just need to show you the big moments and we need to get the fuck out of there. While I like a good tournament arc like the next person... Sometimes you kind of want to move on with the story. And especially if this is supposed to happen in one day. I appreciate them not like going, the planet will explode in five minutes. And then the planet never fucking, the planet takes four episodes. Or fuck, I'm sure it was more than four episodes where Frieza said the planet's going to blow up in Dragon Ball Z. But anyway, instead of having that situation, you have the fights all take place in a really cool montage with some dope ass music playing. Again, the soundtrack of the show every bangs it out every single time. Uh, the song in this part of the episode where they're doing the badass tournament is called Rocket Fuel by DJ Shadow and De La Soul. So if you thought this had a nice old school feeling to it, De La Soul is probably why. That's the rap that I used to listen to. That's my rap right there. Well, De La Soul is still doing music. You can find him all over the place, I'm, I'm sure. And all you have to do is look deeper than the radio station to find that kind of music. People are making, still making uh, new wave music and there's new bands every day coming up with new type of stuff. So definitely keep an eye out and you'll probably find some old school style hip hop that's still being produced today. Invincible's not going to join the the squad because his dad is like, I'm going to train you myself. And also his dad's like, we help the Guardians of the Globe, but we don't get involved with them. Not really. We're a solo unit. So he's like, ah, dad wants to train me himself. I just want to hang out and see who I'm going to be working with. And also, I mean, he probably just wants to sit down and watch the tournament arc happen because that sounds cool as fuck. Who doesn't want tickets to a monster truck rally? Adam Eve fights John Cena. It's just John Cena. And she beats him handily. Good job, Adam Eve. And we get to see some other really cool fights. There's a chick that's pretty much Livewire from Superman. And I appreciated that because I'm a big fan of Livewire. Um, But we get to see all types of cool characters. Like this one dude that's just monkey i really like seeing him they also had some really fun characters that are just fun names like this one character called bug eye that just has a big eye for a head or a helmet and has like a like a bug theme there's other heroes that you see just the back of their heads and stuff and you you it's really cool because you can look at that group of characters and go man i want to know what that person can do and that person and that person and that person and you also you just kind of get to see the scope of the character design in this show also keep an eye on crowds like that because sometimes you might see a character that shows up again later or you might see an easter egg and go oh shit that's sonic the hedgehog or something like that speaking of which monkey looked a lot like sonic the hedgehog maybe it was his blue undies and his red sneakers but the fact that he had like a fleshy underbelly kind of also gave me sonic the hedgehog feelings rexplode makes an ass of himself and insults a uh, monster girl and gets his ass beat for it I enjoyed Rex Blow getting his ass beat, as did Adam Eve. Something that I like a lot about this, and that I wasn't too big on in The Boys, which I'm going to get back to as well in Season 2, it just, 
it stopped being as interesting as quickly. So I'm kind of like, meh. And then all the other TV just start happening to me. So I was like, oh, I don't want to keep up with the analytics. I have to watch the new shows. I know, right? My life is so hard. In The Boys, there's a character that they just, he's a, he's a piece of shit, but they torture him like relentlessly. And it gets to a point where you're like, I don't want to watch this much torture anymore. It, it's enough is enough. Like get rid of this character. If you, but there's only so much torture that I can watch. And that's probably just me personally. But after a while, I'm just like, don't show him anymore. Write him off the show. Just, just so I don't have to watch, just so I don't have to see him anymore. Getting tortured or not. It's, it gets to a point where you're like, yeah, this is a bit much. But um, here, where Explode, he gets, he constantly does worse and worse shit. Every episode, he does something, he says something out his dumb mouth that's like, man, he needs to get punched again. So I like that um, Rex Blow got beat up in this episode by Monster Girl. And I like that Adam Eve in the next episode was like, go fuck yourself. We're not getting back together. The punishment, I think, fits the crime rather aptly. He's talk shit, get hit. I love it. It's great. Fuck you, Rex Blow. We find out also that Monster Girl, when every time she transforms, she gets younger. Which, whoops, it's a problem. That's like a Benjamin Button curse. Because that power is really cool, but it has to have a downside, right? Again, I would love to see how she got cursed. Tell me more, tell me more. Mark's about to have his first date. And while he's trying to have his first date, whoopsie daisy, he gets into uh, this, this situation in Mount Rushmore that's break, that's popping off that he has to go handle. And Cecil just pops in his room and goes, hey, look, you fucking handle this. I don't care if you have relationships or friends or whatever. You have a job to handle the situation. This happens to Spider-Man all the time. You saw, you guys saw it. And I think Spider-Man 2 Oh no, Mary Jane has a play, but Peter Parker can't be there because he's too busy fighting crime. If you know somebody that's a flake, they're just a superhero. A lot of times I'm flaky just because I get really bad social anxiety. And if somebody tells you they, they have, if somebody tells you they have an issue, respect them. It costs you nothing. It's free. Just like subscribing to the podcast. So we go to Mount Rushmore and there's a funny gag that's ongoing from here on out that Mark has no idea about geography. None. Zero idea. He's like where's Mount Rushmore and (laughs) Cecil's like what are they teaching you in school he asks where Mount Rushmore is to his dad and his dad's like it's the tall one you know it's the big mountain (laughs) and Amber's like how did you go through to Mount Rushmore Nepal or China he's like probably in his head thinking I didn't even know those places were close to Mount Rushmore in the next episode he's like I'm going to a place that's deserty and not a lot of people go there Mark you don't know any places like that at all, where you can do some work and help people? None? Nothing's coming to mind? Not the Sahara Desert? Nothing? Because there's places like that, Mark. You just have to pay attention in geography class. That's the class that he actually has to study with Amber, but he wouldn't study with Amber. He'd just make out while Adam Eve sadly watched from the window. It's like, I get it, Adam Eve. You are pining over Mark hard, but he's trying to live his own life. I just, and she's trying to be happy for him. I can see it. It's just, she also is pining real hard. You just broke up with Rexplode. Maybe give it some time. Maybe just this hurt is making you want to jump into another relationship right away because you miss that feeling, that warm blanket feeling of a relationship. But you can't just jump into another one. They go and fight Doc Seismic, who complains about the Founding Fathers. And while he's doing it, I'm like, he's a little confused, but he has the spirit. You know, he's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> um, and the fight scene between Doc Seismic and... Adam Eve and Invincible shows you that they're really good at working together and that they should probably be a team. And also Doc Seismic is fucking hilarious. They did a good job of writing the comedy in this show. Such a good job that all their little gags always makes me laugh. Mark gets back from dealing with Doc Seismic and um, he almost goes into his room to with his costume on. But his dad tries to have a serious talk, you know, a serious 
heart to heart with him and he's just like nodding your parents just like hey before you go on your date tonight this is what i want to tell you or before you go um on your awesome school trip i'm gonna sit down and tell you like fifty thousand things that are mushy parent shit and you're just like yeah yeah uh-huh let me just let me just okay all right you're done now i have to do okay i really want to hmm it's like you're being you're, it's like you're on a phone with somebody and it's like your great aunt ethel and you keep trying to hang up and aunt ethel keeps bringing other things up and you're like aunt ethel um that's great okay all right aunt ethel mm-hmm all right okay are you done now aunt ethel no all right uh how can i tell you in a polite way to stfu so i can go about my day it's kind of like that also doc seismic died the way he lived he went out i'm sure the way he would have wanted to so uh rest in power doc seismic <laughs> the mauler twins break out of prison and this whole scene is hilarious and they do a lot of fun gags and a, even even a gag as small as one of the mauler twins uses his hand uses the guard's hand to do his own hand talking was spectacular like it was just amazing fun and it you can tell the animators are having a fun time doing this show because there are a lot of little gags like that it looks this show looks fun to animate the Mauler twins uh escape from prison and it's pop pie night and they're really sad about that and my husband said they should have stolen 40 pies and then, then i was like but that would be terrible that's more than four tens it turns out robot has some something up his sleeve and he actually assisted in the whole situation with the Mauler twins uh if you were expecting a nice long podcast to, to listen to while you work here you are and if you're not i'll put timestamps in here so you can jump back in at any point but the Mauler twins escaping the jail let's talk real quick about their um the music that they have when they escaped again run the jewels which it feels like is the Mauler twins very own theme music run the jewels big boy and danger mouse do a song called chase me it sounds like an escape from a prison it's such a it's such a banging ass song the Mauler twins escape and shirt down Mauler twins uses the defense mechanisms of the super secret prison to chop up his own clone slash brother and do away with him because they keep arguing about who's the original who's the clone this way for sure he can be like ha motherfucker i'm the original uh, also we get to see a guy in prison that looks a lot like duplicate all the people that were in this jail this it makes me feel like we might have to go back and revisit this scene of the of the uh guard walking past those prisoners more than once that guy that has duplicates powers he's somebody to keep your eye on because it's like wait a minute he's duplicating what is robot up to and why is cecil in on it now we're moving on to the next episode this episode starts off with some mummies live action and mark just kind of blows them away with his dust as he's doing a very bad job of flying over the desert he uses this to his advantage on mars later on in the episode and he uses it to fight in the dust and he has goggles so i'm assuming he could see better in the dust to fight in the dust but then again martians who live on mars for their entire lives kind of probably have crazy second eyelids so that they can fight him in the dust also because he gets his ass kicked pretty quickly after he starts that fight and starts maniacally laughing i kind of got visions of his dad on that on the flaxian home dimension destroying everybody with glee on his face it, they're very much like Saiyans, the uh, Viltrumites. They, it looks like they really like fighting. I forgot to talk about in last episode that Debbie is, Debbie was approached by Clancy Brown, the demon, and was like, hey, you know, some stuff's up with your husband. 
Kind of like, you know, maybe he murdered the entire Guardians of the Globe. Just saying. I'm just throwing that out there as an idea. Maybe he did it. I don't have concrete evidence for sure other than the concrete evidence that I have that he is alive and they are not. But after this, Debbie is now suspicious of her husband because he has been acting weird recently. After the funeral, you want me to go get some pizza? So, and also, super speed is not even that great of a power. I know he just died, but fuck him. She starts to second guess her husband and think, oh, he's hiding something from me. So she looks, she Googles Demon Clancy Brown and finds out that, oh shit, he usually is right about this type of shit. And then Mark comes home from his thing. Husband, I wasn't searching online for confirmation that the demon may or may not be right about you. In fact, the only thing I was doing was, uh, I gotta sell a house, which she absolutely has to do. But it was a it was a good cover, girl, because I know that that wasn't what you were doing. And she used uh, incognito mode. This is the first time I'm seeing incognito mode being used in a show, so thumbs up. I'm sure maybe it's been used in other shows, but big fan. Mark decla- Mark lets his parents know he's going out. That was always a big thing. It's like when my parents ask me, where are you going? It's like, out, man. Why are you all up in my business? God. Uh, they actually go to a Filipino like fair that's happening. It's a cute little date that they have. And what's this? He might have another date on the horizon. He also gets told by Cecil, um, we want your dad to go to Mars. And because he doesn't take orders from him, Nolan's like, go fuck off. I don't want to go to Mars. I mean, I wanna try- I'm going to train my son. And then his son goes, fuck it, I'll go. But you take half of my excuse with me when you go to Mars by yourself. But he goes anyway. And the episode is a fun little romp on another planet. Before he leaves, he asks Adam Eve for her like advice. Like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't want to lie to her. And... Adam Eve says, look, if you're serious about her, you only tell somebody your superhero identity if you're serious. So what do we see Mark do? Lie, lie, lie. It turns out he's not very serious about Amber. He's just testing out the waters and seeing where things go. I mean, I get it. It's his like second date. I mean, they only had one date. It totally makes sense that he wouldn't do it. But Mark's a terrible liar and he's also bad at geography. I'm surprised he found where the rocket was blasting off from. Like, you know where Houston is? And uh, Mark's like, uh, no, we don't get that joke, but I'm sure it happened. And Cecil was like, here's a um, GPS. Don't ask me any for anything ever again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he knows the conversation they're having. And it's probably better not to appear right in the middle of it. But he makes his excuses. And Mark goes to space. He packs a lunch that he doesn't get to really enjoy because it's in space. And he takes some pictures with his phone and gets to look at pictures of his girlfriend on his phone. He doesn't get to enjoy because he's in space. And it's not like they have outlets just on the side of a mountain that he can use. So his whole goal is to watch the astronauts anyway, but he's not fucking watching the astronauts and they get abducted by the Martians and taken underground. I love the accent, like the African accent of the main Martian. I don't know, ever since Martian Manhunter I can't, and John Jones there on uh, Justice League animated universe, I just think of Martians with African accents just makes sense to me. The Martians also explain, hey, you know, the, the sequids are actually incredibly dangerous parasites that will take over your body and that's bad why is it always and i know this is like a i know this is like a starro like a riff on starro but why is it always squids that are the ones that want to eat your brains what's up with squids and brains hit me up again on twitter at audio underscore d to let me know what the fuck the connection is uh, and if you don't have twitter and you want to hit me up anyway hit me up on instagram at popyak tj and be like okay Here's what the problem is with with squids and brains. 
Mark helps the humans get off of the planet and go back home. The whole thing is hilarious. And I noticed when the pilot of the of the spacecraft said fuck that I noticed that I was like, man, the language is really strong in this show. The language is strong in this show, as is the violence is really heavy. What is the rating of this show? And, I, and then I thought about how awesome this show would have been for me if I was a teenager watching it. And I know it's not for me as a teenager, but I think we need to lessen restrictions with younger people and stuff like this because as a 15-year-old, I absolutely would have loved this and it wouldn't have caused me any damage. And I know you're what you're thinking, like, you don't know that for sure. Listen, I was younger than that watching Beavis and Butthead and I didn't burn down anything. Robot watched the Mauler twins make... Well, the Mauler twin make a clone of himself. And he takes a blood sample from Rex. Motherfucker's planning on cloning something. What? He's a robot? What is he cloning? But we'll find out more about that situation probably in the next episode. We gotta go back to the Mauler brothers, or the Mauler brother, and his dope-ass music. So, Don't Get Captured by Run the Jewels is the song that's in this one. Again, baller. Run the Jewels is the official band of the Mauler brother. <laughs> Speaking of which, I noticed the Mauler brothers have a dope voice. The guy that does this voice is Gantu from um, Lilo and Stitch. How can I forget? And speaking of Lilo and Stitch, happy uh, Asian and Pacific Islanders month. Definitely go and watch Lilo and Stitch or rewatch Lilo and Stitch because it is one of Disney's best movies. What a voice on this guy. It's incredible sounding. I just had to find out whose voice that was because it was so powerful. The Graysons take Mark's time away to go on vacation to Italy, which probably isn't much of a vacation. They probably just went there for lunch. And they have a deep conversation about whether or not she she trusts him. And Debbie and Nolan have a deep conversation about whether or not she trusts him. She does. She trusts him. And he's like, great, because it's going to be us against Cecil. And he's like... We have to stay together as a family. Kind of like he's expecting the whole world to come down on them. While they're away having lunch in Italy, Clancy Brown is snooping around the Grayson household. First of all, Clancy Brown demon, I love you, but there's a limit to the amount of stuff that you're doing. There are ways to go about this. Sneaking into people's houses and rummaging through their things is not exactly lawful. And if you're trying to get clues and stuff, it's not going to be usable in court if you just kind of told them, I got this because I was sneaking around their house. That's not going to work. The judge is going to throw the case out, or throw out the evidence, rather. Cecil gets involved and exercises him because he goes, Look, I understand that you know Mark did it, but I need to figure out what the fuck's going on. I need to know why he did it. And until I find out why he did it, we're just going to keep an eye on him. He happens to have God-level strength, and we're actually kind of scared of him. So... Until we can figure out the why and the how to take care of Nolan and the if we can control his son. Until we figure out all those moving pieces to this problem, you gotta go. But it looks, at the end of this episode, they show the inside of the closet and you hear Clancy Brown laughing. So I'm assuming he tethered his, either he tethered himself to this reality or he planted evidence for Debbie to find and question her husband about. Because it looks like he planted something in Debbie's purse. So I'm intrigued to see what happened. I almost don't want this perfect family to kind of split apart due to Nolan being a piece of shit bastard because other than that, they're a really nice family. But, uh, you know, the show is going in that direction, it looks like. And, oh man, the fallout's gonna break my heart into a billion pieces. Thanks, Nolan, you piece of shit. Look what you've done. You've ruined this perfectly good family. The aliens, as they come back to Earth, there's an imposter among us. This show couldn't have come out at a better time with this gimmick. It really... And that's the episode. Now time to talk about Attack on Titan. Alright, time to talk about Attack on Titan. This episode felt like watching a Mexican standoff. Every time somebody would start to lower their guns, more guns start getting pointed at people. 
So at the very beginning of this, we find out the truth about Connie's village, that one day they just became Titans. Well, they were made that way thanks to our good boy, the Beast Titan, which I thought about. I was like, man, maybe Zeke did this. But then I was like, nah, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But then he explains how he did it. He sp used a chemical weapon to pump his spinal fluid into their bodies and they paralyzed them and then they were once he screamed they were able to go nuts i figured he was lying because when we see at the very beginning of this of this uh season he dropped a bunch of motherfuckers out of airplanes and they didn't look very paralyzed in fact they were like tied up prevent them from moving not oh yeah look at these limp bodies we're just gonna throw off this thing that will turn into titans so i knew he was lying about that but he was telling it again to levi because levi's like and eh, you know what you're a piece of shit and i don't know about this whole plan I think you should suffer. Levi goes through a, just a range of emotions in this episode, which for Levi is a lot because we usually see him with one emotion and that's just pissed off little gremlin. But he actually feels really bad for Aaron. Also, he's like, hey man, ladies like me. And it's true. You know how many people are cosplaying Levi? He's very well liked outside of his position in the military. It's like he's one of, he's like a cat, right? Like, if you don't know him, he's going to seem standoffish and like an asshole. But when you get to know him, he's, he's standoffish and an asshole. But he's your standoffish asshole. So the chef gets to put on this dinner for Sasha's parents. Because even though he still believes the whole devil's rhetoric, he liked Sasha a lot. And he's like, man, Sasha made him feel like a human, right? Like, Sasha made him feel great. She enjoyed his food. And so he was like, look, you know, we're all really sad about Sasha dying. Maybe you guys will enjoy it. The motherfucker brought the entire orphanage down. <laughs> They've been brought down to eat some fine-ass food from this chef. I don't know if there's, like, Michelin stars in the, in the Attack on Titan universe because they just got a society on Parody Island. But I like to think that he would at least have, like, four Michelin stars. Meanwhile, he's be in the military. The scout regiment happens to show up. And they're like, hey, brother, we want to ask you some questions. But while we wait, we're going to have some of this wine. The chef, even though he hates them and calls them devils or whatever, saves them from drinking it. It's kind of like even though he, on one half, he hates them. On the other half, they, these are Sasha's friends. He's coming at all of his, the way he's thinking in Sasha vision. Even Sasha's sister is like, I think these guys were in love. Or at least he was in love with Sasha. Sasha was in love with his food. But being told you could have that food for the rest of your life is probably a pretty easy way to convince her to marry you. So he's like, look, you guys want to talk to me about certain things. I need to go put this wine back. So while he's in the wine cellar, Gabi and Falco go and find him. And they're like, hey, all right, let's talk about secret underground missions to get you motherfuckers off this island. I'm actually a soldier. I'm a, I'm a Titan candidate. We have certain military information that we have to share with you. And we're going to get you safe, brother. Don't you worry. And LOL, I killed Sasha. It was great. He finds out and he's holding that champagne bottle. I'm like, yo, glass her ass. I was bloodthirsty at the beginning of this episode. But then immediately Sasha's dad makes me feel guilty about it. And he makes me feel guilty too. He's like, I almost fucking glassed this kid. Because he ends up accidentally glassing Falco, who's done nothing but get caught in the crossfire his entire life, it seems. Hell, even the fact that his family felt like they had to redeem themselves after the last guy kind of betrayed their entire race, quote-unquote, he felt like he had to redeem himself. And becoming an honorary Marlian, he's always been caught in this kind of crossfire where he always is, like, paying for other people's fuck-ups. So I feel really bad for Falco. Sasha's dad is like, hey, yo, look, we have to end the cycle of violence. Sasha killed a couple of your friends, so you kill Sasha. So the chef kills you, and then Reiner's gonna kill you. But unfortunately, that's what started this other circle of violence. We find out the wine is spine wine, and you don't want to drink that stuff. When we go to commercial, the commercial bumper's fucking hilarious. It's just like, oh man, you know, the Marlians use the red wine that they have in cooking. 
have they been eating fucking spine wine this whole time? Is everybody infected with the spine wine? I'm not a goddamn doctor, but I just, I want it to backfire so that we can finally see, we can stop seeing the heroes on the ropes. I'm ready for the heroes to turn shit around. Who's a hero anymore even? Who knows? I'm still backing Aaron, but Zeke's a motherfucker, and I think Zeke's using him, and doesn't really care about Aaron at all. Flock shows up and is like, you're our prisoners now, lol, lead us to... Zeke, we got some plans. Not only was Flock in on the bullshit, Flock is the most traitorous traitor who wanted to turn traitor from day one. Ever since Erwin was sacrificed in place of Armin, he's been seething in his own bullshit. But it's like, the guy he's following right now is the one who said that, hey, we have to do it this way. I don't know. I think maybe Flock is in on Zeke's side and not necessarily Aaron's. At least that's what I see. And then um, Aaron cut his hand again and he's like, look, if I squeeze my hand again, I'm gonna turn into a fucking Titan. But I want to talk to my family who I am not afraid to turn into a Titan and absolutely brutally murder. So yeah, I'm, I'm finally catching up to this stuff. It's taken me my sweet time because, oh boy, there are too many stuff to watch. I'm, I'm kind of drowning in choices of things to watch and finish and cover. And Loki's going to only make it more ridiculous. I'm trying to finish things before Loki, but... And I'm pretty sure that I'm... Because I'm going to be finished talking about Attack on Titan. And there's some other animes that I cover some on, on Tumblr. Audiod.tumblr.com. And check out the animes that I usually cover by just searching... Search, give, a, give a search to review. And you'll find all of my thoughts on different animes that I had covered. But that's it for Popyak this week. Again, on, tw- on Twitter, you can find me at audio underscore D-E-E. On Instagram, you can find me on at TJ. And on uh, if you want my PlayStation name so that we can play together on PlayStation, maybe, just hit me up on, on Twitter and ask for it. Fuck it. Who cares, right? Thanks so much for sticking with me through this and hanging out with me. See you guys next week.